A very warm welcome to the Optimum Strategic podcast. I am Eva Haas from Optimum Strategic Communications. I will be speaking to Chris Martin, who's SVP of Commercial for Verona Pharma, about the company and about some of the exciting things that they've got going on there, especially with their crown jewel product, if I may call it that, Entifentrin. So first of all, Chris, welcome. Thank you, Eva. I appreciate it. Can you give us a quick overview on Verona and Entifentrin? I know there's been a lot going on. Yeah, uh, so thanks, Eva, again for having me. Uh, Verona is developing a novel PD3, PD4 mechanism drug called Encephentrin. As you mentioned, we've had a lot going on. And in 2022, we had our phase three enhanced program readout in August and December, respectively, where the product Encephentrin showed improvements in lung function, symptoms, and quality of life, as well as substantial reductions in exacerbations, both in the rate and risk of exacerbations in patients with moderate to severe COPD. If we think about how 2023 has evolved, we most recently, toward the end of June, announced that we had submitted our NDA application to the FDA. So we'd expect to hear on that acceptance within about 60 days from the time of that submission. So we are actively now preparing for commercialization. And so what is the sort of size of the COPD market? What is your strategy going to be? I mean, it's it's millions of patients, right? Sort of something like 300 million globally. How does that kind of split yes. up between the regions? Yeah, I mean, if you look at regionally, there are three main regions that affects COPD affects mainly. And one of those is the EU. Then there's China and then there's the United States. And as what we've stated publicly that within the United States, we're preparing to commercialize Encephentrin ourselves. That's what myself and my team are actively doing as we speak. In regions outside the U.S., like Europe and China, we'll seek to have partnerships and have partnerships with regulatory commercial expertise that can bring this innovative uh, molecule to those regions. We've done that with our partnership with Nuance Pharma in China, who are actively conducting a, a similar type of program for a phase three program for Encephentrin in China as we speak. And we are currently looking for partners within the European regions to help bring the molecule to Europe as well. Brilliant. And you, you announced first patient in in China, I think in the phase three and in something like April, so very recently. Yes, that is correct. The respiratory space therapeutic area has got some very, very big players in it, such as AstraZeneca and, and Glaxo. How, as a small biotech, are you going to go up against them and compete? I, I love this question because I think it's a question <laughs> that, you know, we get quite a bit, but it's one that, you know, really, really makes me excited to think about the advantages that small biotech has really against some of the larger players. You know, the first thing for us to compete appropriately is we have to be properly financed. And the company has been able to properly finance uh, the organization. I think we had $290 million in cash at the end of our last reporting period. And we have a debt facility with about $130 million in dry powder available to us as well. Uh, so that financing and Ability allows us to get through at least the end of 2025, and it allows us to fund many pre-commercial and commercial opportunities that are needed to ensure that NC Fentron is successful. I think one of the things that a small biotech can do within a space where, you know, a GSK or an AstraZeneca is, is our ability to be nimble and ability to do things very differently. We can highlight 
the work that exists within COPD and the unmet need that still exists. We have so many patients that are still suffering with significant symptoms and significant debilitation because of those symptoms that it gives us an opportunity to really go in there and be very focused and highlight that need that exists. I think the other thing that we're trying to do is use technology to our advantage. There's plenty of information out there, both on physicians and patients, that allows us to use technology and the ways we interact with physicians very differently or in ways we act with patients very differently. One of the best examples for me recently on this is Biohaven, who competed against large pharma as they launched a new migraine medicine and did that very, very well. But they use data and they use the ability of that data to make them change and be more efficient in the way they deploy their marketing efforts to physicians and patients. And that's something we're establishing as we speak. We've built a system in-house that allows us to process data from our physicians and our interactions and allows us to adjust on the fly things that are working and things that aren't working within the physician marketplace as well. From what I've, I've read previously, there's something like uh, 12,000 pulmonologists in the U.S. That means, you know, you can cover those with kind of a, a fairly small sales force, I guess, you know, 100 reps or so. That's about right. With about twelve to 13,000 HCPs, we can reach that with about 100 reps. I think this is another place where we can be differentiated versus the larger pharma companies is the way that we look at how we deploy reps. You know, COVID has taught us that a deploying of a rep is not only face-to-face today, but also virtually like we do every day with our meetings. And physicians are more than likely willing to meet with us in virtual environments and live environments. So as we think about deployment and how do we make 100 reps even more efficient than that, we have to think about how we can interact with physicians maybe in different mediums and different uh, avenues as well. So we've undertook that process as well. I think if we think about physical reps in the field, the 100 reps can usually cover between 125 and 150 physicians. So that gives us a lot of flexibility in how we deploy. And in reality, COPD is very concentrated. Our physicians are concentrated in various regions of the United States, and the top writers are very concentrated as well. So when we look at other products that are out there, and and I'll use two products from AstraZeneca and GSK. One is Trilogy, which has been out on the market for five years. 70% of their business comes from about 20,000 doctors, and that includes both COPD and asthma. But that's in year five. If I look at Brestree, which is launched only three years ago, which only has a COPD indication, it's about 7,700 doctors do about 70% of their business. So really the concentration of prescribers is in that 12 to 14,000 range, which allows us to be very efficient and have 100 reps deployed and reach the majority of the opportunity that we believe will drive NC Fentrin into the right patient's hands. Are you going to be sort of creative about the different channels you're going to use in the U.S. in in addition to the reps? Yeah, I think this is where, you know, the buzzword is omni-channel marketing or, you know, how do we reach physicians and patients in different ways? We will definitely be very targeted in the way that we reach physicians. One of the things that I've 
we've talked about with as a team is treating physicians and patients just like we like to be treated as consumers. We all interact with our favorite brands in certain ways and methods. Sometimes that's by email. Sometimes that's on an advertisement on social. Sometimes that's in a, a place you wouldn't expect it. But we, if we can treat the physicians like we would expect to be treated by our favorite brands, I think that's something that will differentiate us as NC Fentrin comes to market and Verona's placed in the marketplace as well. Great. And you've obviously very, very recently filed with the FDA in the U.S. for um, a maintenance treatment of COPD. Can you say anything right now about what kind of label you're going to pursue and where, based on the data to date, Entifentrin's going to kind of fit in the uh, treatment paradigm of these patients? You know, we've we've asked the FDA and we've, you know, from the trial that was conducted with the enhanced program, a broad indication, as you discussed, maintenance treatment of COPD. That's an indication that, you know, the agency is pretty much standardized over the last few approvals. So we believe that's the indication that NC Fentrin potentially would have. As far as the clinical data, as we talked about, our primary endpoint was lung function improvement, which we were measured by FEV1, 0 to 12 hours. You know, we would expect that data to be in the clinical section of the PI, which is section 14.1. We would also expect to see some of the symptom and quality of life data in that in that section as well. And we believe very strongly that the exacerbation data, both the rate and the risk reductions that we're seeing with NC Fentrin would also appear in section 14.1 as well. All that data is very important for physicians and how they're going to prescribe and treat patients. So we believe that data would be shown in the PI in section 14.1. Great. And um, can you talk a little bit about nebulizers versus dry powdered inhalers and metered dose inhalers? I know you've got the, the DPIs and the MDIs in development as well, and the initial approvals are going to be for nebulizers. But I guess your average investor might see that as a disadvantage, but potentially that's not the case, right? Yeah, in the U.S., it's definitely not the case. And we believe strongly that, you know, within COPD, that a nebulizer is the right way to deliver the drug to the patient and and provide some commercial opportunities, flexibility that a DPI, MDI do not. Within the U.S., you know, payers and payer acceptance are drivers of uptake and NC Fentrin being delivered by a nebulizer allows it to move through the Medicare Part B as in boy channel. And that is a very different pathway than what DPIs and MDIs go through. That pathway allows for pricing flexibility. You can see the current products within a nebulizer space are priced significantly higher than DPIs and MDIs. But with that pricing, they still have 100% access within the channel, which means the physician can write the product and the drug gets reimbursed through the channel. The last part of that piece is once a drug's reimbursed is how much do patients actually pay out of pocket and 80 plus percent of the patients pay less than $10 within that channel for the products that are priced higher. So you get this whirlwind of pricing, access and low out of pocket costs for patients that allow for a lot of flexibility. Moreover, you know, the nebulizer is the right way to deliver medicine to patients with COPD. They have lower peak inspiratory flows, they have dexterity, cognitive issues, and DPIs and MDIs potentially are uh, have limitations in those patient populations. So we believe that NC Fentrin in a nebulizer in the U.S. allows for a lot of flexibility, not only from a commercial perspective, but also is the right way to deliver it. And importantly, you know, the device is very 
comfortable in the United States. At least half the patients in the U.S. have a nebulizer and are actively using it, either for maintenance therapy or acute rescue therapy situations. So when we think about other regions in the world, that's where DPI and MDI may be more advantageous or potentially other indications. NCFentrin, as we know, can be used in potentially asthma or, or cystic fibrosis. So the changing the delivery method may be advantageous in those situations or in different regions of the world like Europe, where nebulizers may not be used as frequently as they are in the U.S. Where do you see pricing versus kind of existing products? And do you think is the uh, Inflation Reduction Act going to affect your commercial prospects in any way? It's, it's good, good it's question, question because they kind of go to... It, yeah, and we, we haven't given formal guidance on pricing, but what I can tell you is that the current nebulized products, which are llamas or labas, so single mechanism, generics available in DPI, MDIs, are currently priced or will be priced around $1,400 a month in the United States by the time we launch. NC Fentrin's profile is markedly different from the products that are currently or will be priced around that. So we believe that NC Fentrin will be, if you're trying to build a model, if you're thinking about what the floor is for the price, the $1,400 is probably the floor. But there is significant pricing flexibility upwards given the value that NC Fentrin brings to the COPD market within the patient population. You know, the other dynamic that affects pricing today is the Inflation Reduction Act. One unintended consequence of the Inflation Reduction Act is it limits what your price increases can be over time based on CPI. So you could see companies maybe taking higher prices at the beginning of a product's life cycle because they can't realize the price increases downstream. So that's one of the dynamics we're looking at as we see how IRA affects how products are priced coming into the marketplace. The other place where IRA affects is our life cycle planning. If we think about NC Fentrin, the IRA considers NC Fentrin as a molecule singularly. So if you put it in asthma, you put it in CF, the IRA would have an effect on that molecule in year, year nine, essentially. But we believe that if you take NC Fentrin and put it in a combination product with a llama, you reset the IRA timeline because you're now creating a new molecule with another drug in there. So that's an opportunity for us to life cycle plan and potentially extend our IRA timeline given, you know, now you have a combination product as well. And in terms of competition, I mean, I think everyone knows about inhalable corticosteroids and, and mm-hmm. Lama Labas pretty pretty well, but there's a, a number of um, new biologics in development. Do you see those as, as a threat or are they going to be kind of a little bit limited in terms of patient population? I think when we think about COPD, you know, there has been, you know, a little bit of noise around COPD this year because of our data and there was also... Uh, Dupixin data. And that that's good for COPD because, you know, there has been a lack of innovation as cited by the Lancet Commission in September of last year. And so the data from NC Fentrin, from Dupixin continues to highlight the significant unmet need that exists there. But when we look at Dupixin and future other treatments that are out there, they're mu- very much limited to a certain patient population, a patient population that has maybe higher eosinophils. They've 
maxed out on all their therapies. They have had a certain number of exacerbations versus NC-Fentrin, which has broad applications across all patient types. I mean, if we even think about just the Dupixin data, it's stated by Sanofi as, as really a 300,000 patient opportunity. And we know in the U.S. there's eight and a half million patients treated. So all the drugs in development really focus on that, that specific inflammation marker or significant exacerbation history that are a little less broad than what NC-Fentrin can provide the marketplace. You just a couple of minutes previously mentioned cystic fibrosis and I think asthma. So what is NC-Fentrin's potential in those other indications or even beyond that? And uh, what kind of news flow can we expect over the, the rest of the year? From a development standpoint, I think we really are the biggest value creator that we have with NC Fentrin today is ensuring that we're ready for commercialization and we launch NC Fentrin successfully. We know from the, the mechanism of action that NC Fentrin has broad applicability across many respiratory diseases, like you mentioned, asthma, cystic fibrosis. And we have data in phase, early phase two work that shows the potential for NC Fentrin there. I think we have to consider IRA as we think about development because NC Fentrin alone in those indications have IRA implications. What we're really focusing on is the launch and then also the combination product because we know the combination product is lower risk. And we also understand that within the marketplace and COPD that these patients go on combination therapy. So it aligns to how the market treats and essentially creates the first triple without a steroid in it because you have a llama plus bronchodilator with NC-Fentrin and a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory included in that as well. So we believe that is a much lower risk, high potential higher reward program that also resets the IRA clock for the company and the molecule as well. Thank you very much, Chris. It's been great to speak to you. Much appreciated. Thanks, Eva. 